Well, good morning once again. Everybody doing good today? How many of you are thankful for all the rain that we've been having? Isn't this awesome? I've been telling people all the time, Amarillo is like the Garden of Eden. I love this area. We're on the drier side of it. I'll get it, but it's like the Garden of Eden. You know why I think that? It's because some of the most amazing people that are created in God's image live here. In fact, you're sitting right next to one of them. In fact, why don't you turn to him and say, you are one of the sweetest people that I know. All right, some of you look a little, it's always fun to watch the crowd when I ask them to do stuff because people sometimes get a little reluctant. Oh yeah, I'm not telling this person that. But hey, we are so glad that you are here today. I want to welcome those of you that are watching with us online today. We're kind of still in our series on the issue of faith. And, and this week as I was thinking about this message that I'm about ready to do today, I was reminded that faith and fear are asking us to believe something that we cannot see. They both are. And it's so easy for us to get in our default mode with fear and believe the worst about things when in reality we can choose to believe the best about things. Now listen, it doesn't mean that, that the blessed life or that the faith-filled life is always free from problems. It just means that we have the conqueror living inside of us. So everything we're going through, we're going through. We're going to come out the other side victorious, stronger than we were when we went through it. And he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. So he's actually going to be walking through us with that. But it is a life of faith. So I'm going to invite you to stand up today and make some declarations over our life because we believe the tongue has what? The power of life and death. And we really do. And again, when we recognize that in our mouth is a miracle, in our mouth, when we start shouting, man, walls start falling down in our lives. It's amazing. We begin to recognize the promises of God in our life. We've got to declare them, even when the, the situation looks totally different. So let's make these declarations together. Y'all ready? All right, let's go. God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth. God's word is alive and active in me. And now because of what Christ has done, I'm highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. Let me pray over you this morning. Father, I just thank you today. Father, that you have called us, Lord, for such a time as this. Lord, we're, we're in, a, in a time in society, Lord, Father, when, when it seems like the world seems to be against the faith of Jesus Christ. Lord, and I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I want to continue to believe that you're going to well up inside of people, that their faith is going to rise up, God, that they're going to stand on what they know, not on what they see, not on what they're hearing, God, today, but they're going to stand on the truth that's found in the word of God. So, Lord, I pray that we would learn to fall in love with your word God, that you'd give us a hunger for your word, a desire to spend mornings, God, getting up and spending time in the word so the word gets into us, so we understand the purposes and the plans that you have for our life. So God, I thank you for everyone that's here today, those that are watching online today, God, that we are not gonna leave the same God, we're going to leave change today, God, because you are going to do a fresh work in our lives, Lord. And so we thank you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. amen. You may be seated today. So last uh, week, again, we began this series on faith. And it's my hope and prayer that we learn as a people of faith, as a people of faith, that we learn to respond to life, to situations in faith. That our faith response is in response to what Christ has already done. 
that we're responding to what Jesus Christ has already done. That's why I love so much to talk about the finished work of Jesus Christ because that is exactly what it is. It's a finished work. We're not trying to become something that we already are. We're not trying to complete a completed work. It's a finished work. And so I love to talk about the grace of God. I love to talk about the love of God. I love to talk about the goodness of God. In fact, if I could, I would talk about it all the time. Because for me, I can't get enough of the grace of God and the goodness of God. Every time I start talking about it and thinking about it, man, I get excited about actually living for God. But surprisingly, there are people who actually get mad at me when I talk so much about God's grace. And, and they wish what they say I would talk a little bit more about. And what I believe they're trying to say is that I would talk more about sin. That I would talk more about your issues. And, and just so you know, we've all got issues. All right? And, and I used to think growing up that when I would acknowledge that I had issues, that the pastor was going to call me out in front of everybody and say, Mark, I know what you did this week, you know, and call me out. I don't think that's worked. And some people think that I don't preach the whole gospel. The gospel, what means what? Good news, right? Even though Ephesians chapter 2 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It doesn't say that you've been saved through condemnation. It doesn't say that you've been saved through fault finding and nitpicking at some stuff happening in your life or browbeating. It says that by grace you've been saved. That means the unearned can't earn it, undeserved, you didn't deserve it, the unmerited, you're, you're not doing enough things to get it, favor of God in your life. That's how you and I are saved. But I do want to say this about it. That doesn't mean that I think it's okay to sin. It doesn't mean that I think it's okay for you to miss the mark or to live your life contrary to the word of God. I don't think it's okay if you are a gossip. And just so you know, for me personally, I think that is one of the most damaging sins to the body of Jesus Christ is gossiping because it creates such disunity when we say bad things about other people. I I don't think it's okay if you gossip. I don't think it's okay if you have improper sexual behavior. If you have sex outside of marriage, you're having sex that contradicts the word of God. I don't think it's okay if you're lying, cheating, or stealing. I don't think it's okay if you get dominated by doubt, fear, and unbelief. I don't think those things are okay. But in the short amount of time that I have to speak to you and hopefully to influence you just a little bit, which is typically once a week. For some, it's only once or twice a month. I want you to know what Jesus Christ has actually done for you. I want you to become aware of how good he is, how amazing he is, and how loving he is. Because when you fall in love with who he actually is, things begin to change on the inside of you, and then suddenly things begin to change on the outside of you. But in that process, the reason why we're in this series is because I also want you to learn how to respond in faith to what Christ has already done. For us to learn that there are some behaviors, some things that we need to do. But unfortunately, on a Sunday morning, I can't preach the entirety of the gospel. I mean, we could literally spend years here and just begin to scratch the surface. And so, as I've been praying about this lately, God kind of gave me an illustration, and I'm calling it some teaching lanes that we are doing here at the church, and I want to show this to you because I think it'll help you understand where we are typically at on a Sunday. So guys, if you throw that up here, yes, there we are. 
If you were to imagine this as a bunch of different highways that we're on, okay, like a eight-lane, ten-lane highway, there are some Sundays when we are over here a lot more talking about the grace. We're in this lane right over here talking about the grace of God. We're talking about the goodness of God. There are other Sundays that we're a little bit more on this side talking about faith. Over here, it's what Christ has done. Over here, it's our response to what Christ has done. Now, on Sunday mornings, a lot of times, guys, if you put that one over here, this is where we abide a lot of times. In the dark. There we go. This is where we spend a lot of times on Sunday because a lot of people come in, beat up by life, beat up, not knowing, does God really, what has God really done for me? Because unfortunately, we can understand something God has done and in the next minute go, what have you done for me lately? right? And then there are deep services that we have that come over here, if we can get that other slide up here, we, that we over here where we're going to dig a little deeper. This series is a little bit over here. We're talking about our response, what we need to do to get on the path of life that God actually has for us. We're not forgetting the grace. We're not forgetting that God loves us unconditionally, that we can't do anything to earn or deserve it. But we're recognizing and understand there's some behavior that we need to do and walk in to get on the path of life that God has for us. Now, our small groups can be through all of these. We have motorcycle groups that are way over here that are just connecting with other people so that people can begin to understand the love of God by connecting with you because you are the personification of the love of God. All the way over here to small groups that do studies on the book of Revelation. Have y'all read Revelation lately? I think that book was misnamed. It's hard to understand a lot of things in Revelation. But they're doing a great job of unpacking it and studying it. So we're all over the place. And here's what I believe. The more you mature and the more you get a revelation of the goodness of God, the more you start moving to this side. See how tricky that was? Got another slide coming up here. We move over to this side and you want to stay over here. You want to stay over because you recognize that, look, when I live my life according to the word of God and according to the principles of God, my life works better. So how do I figure out how to live a life of faith? So it's why we're doing this series. And I want to pick up today where I left off last week in Matthew chapter 17. And it's the story of this man bringing his son to Jesus' disciples for Jesus' disciples to heal them. And, And they weren't able to do it. And here's how Jesus responded to them in Matthew. And he said this, talking to his disciples, his buddies. All right, so get your mind around this. You unbelieving and perverted generation. That's a great topic, isn't it, to start off with. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And today I want to continue on with this, but I want to look at Mark's account of this because Mark's gospel gives a few different details. It's kind of like if you and I are at an event or we we see a wreck, we're going to all see it differently and we're going to talk about different things related to it. And so here's Mark's account of what is happening as Jesus has um, uh, now chastising his disciples for not being able to heal this man. Here's what he said. And he answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him. And when he saw him, this little boy, immediately the spirit, it was a demonic spirit inside of him, convulsed and he fell to the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. 
All right? Now, what Jesus has just encountered is a demon-possessed person. Now, if you don't believe in, that people can be demon-possessed, you may just want to remind yourself that at holidays when you're around that crazy uncle or something like that, right? <laughs> Some of you, I cannot, okay, now I'm beginning to make the connection. Listen, I was uh, an RA in Bible school, meaning I was over a floor, and there were some basketball players there that were there kind of on a scholarship that weren't really living for God, and a couple of them actually had demonic manifestations. So I want you to know that it's real. In fact, when Pam and I went to Africa with the drama Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, this church, the church in Africa, they know, they know about it. We're kind of oblivious to it at times, but they know about it. In fact, they had a little area set up where if people were demon-possessed and would manifest in the middle of the service, they would literally just pick them up, take them out, cast the demons out of them, and they would walk back in. So seriously, during the crusade, we saw people writhing on the ground. People would pick them up, walk them out, jelly back there. 15, 20 minutes later, they'd come back in their right mind. So just so you know, it happens, all right? And there's so much here that we could talk about that I really don't have enough time to go in detail, detail about. But when things look like they're going bad, things that you've been praying about, things that you're believing God for and things begin to go bad, that's really good. And here's why. Because the devil has been exposed. He is trying to make his last stand. That's why a lot of times when you begin praying about things, it seems like all hell broke loose. Rejoice. Listen, he's trying to instill fear inside of you. He is trying to intimidate you. He is trying to get you to back down from believing the promises of God and standing on the promises of God. So when you're praying for something and it gets worse, I'm telling you, man, you need to do a jig. Man, all right, it's about to have because you have just flushed the enemy out and he is on his way out of your life. He's on his way out of the situation that you're dealing with today. Listen, we sang that song about authority earlier. You don't realize as a child of God the authority that you have. So the devil tries to intimidate you with any time you try to step into the authority, but you really do have the authority. So it looks like it's getting worse. And sometimes it's going to be that way. He falls down foaming at the mouth. And then in verse 21, Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And, and I think it's interesting that, that, that Jesus asked this. And I think he asked it for our reason because it's incredibly important to his healing. And here's why. Because once you've had a sickness for a long time, if you're not careful, it not only gets in your body, it gets in your mind, it gets in your emotions, it gets in your spirit, it gets in your conversation, it gets in your action, and you think, talk, and act sick all the time. You do. It's, if you've had it for a long time, it just begins to get, it becomes a part of the fabric that, of who you are. Sometimes when, when you've had allergies, and, and, and I can struggle with allergies from time to time, and I used to say, well, my allergies, my allergies, until I recognize they're not my allergies. I need to stop saying that. And I still catch myself singing every once in a while. But listen, when you have allergies, for, there are certain times of the year that you're just planning on being sick. Pollen's up. Okay, let's just go ahead. I'm going to be sick today. Or if you've got some, some, um, some issues when the weather begins to change, I've, I've noticed this as I got a little older too. There's certain parts of you that might start creaking a little bit and you're not feeling quite as well. Listen, you kind of just start to come to expect it. Yeah, yeah, there's a front coming in. I guess I'm going to have to be achy and sore. And we start putting up with stuff. Once you get that into your mind and you start dwelling on it, it is hard to activate your belief that you can be healed. It is, 
you need to have a renewing of your mind. That's why the word of God says that we are transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. We have to change our thought process. We have to start changing the thing that we're thinking about, the thing that we're dwelling on, the thing that we're talking about. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit had Mark write that for us so that we would be aware. Sometimes when we've had something for so long, we just think it's ours. Again, verse 21, so we asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And then often he has thrown, talking about the demon, thrown him both into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, does he realize who he's talking to here? If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, when this father brought his son to Jesus, I want you to know that he had a lot of faith. He really did. That's why he actually came to Jesus because in, during this time, it is possible that an association with Jesus, getting involved and getting mixed up with Jesus meant that you could actually be put out of the synagogue. Now for us today, that might not be a big deal because we can go somewhere else to church, but back then it was the center of their life. And this is a risk that he's taken. So he had faith when he brought his son to Jesus' disciples. But now his faith is beginning to waver. He's feeling a little unsure. And that's why he said to Jesus, if you can do anything, please have compassion on us and help us. Again, his faith is beginning to falter. And I want you to notice that Jesus wants this man to exercise his faith. So in the next verse, he says this, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Notice again, Jesus did not take total responsibility for healing this man. There were times in the word of God when he did. Somebody asked him for something, he said, go, show yourself to the priest, and they were just healed. But Jesus puts the responsibility on this man, and he says, if you can believe. Watch the father's response, verse 24. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And here's the thing that I really want you to see this week, because last week we talked about it's a lack of knowledge a lot of times that affects our faith. But here's what I really want you to see from the Father's response, that most people think you either believe or you don't believe. You believe or you have unbelief. You have belief or you have doubt in your life. But they don't think that you can actually have both at the same time. Even though the father said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, Jesus didn't rebuke him. He didn't. Jesus didn't say, that's not right. You either believe or you don't believe. You either believe or you have doubt. Jesus didn't say, if there's any doubt in you, then you don't have any faith. He didn't say that to the man. Are you all tracking with me today? In fact, in Mark chapter 5, and kind of hold that thought there for just a moment, right after Jesus had healed the woman with the issue of blood, do you all remember that story? He's on his way to Jairus' house, who's the ruler of the synagogue, to actually heal his daughter. This woman comes up behind him, touches him, so he pauses for a while. Well, all of a sudden, Jairus' servant shows up and says, hey, don't trouble the master, your daughter is already dead. Watch Jesus' response. When he heard it, he turned to Jairus and said, don't be afraid, only believe. Only believe. So why would Jesus tell him to only believe if he could believe or doubt? Y'all with me? 
It's because you can believe and have doubt at the very same time. You can believe and have doubt at the very same time. Now, this is a new wrinkle in some of y'all's brain and something new. So let me say it again. You can believe and have doubt at the very same time. Because again, when you became a child of God, you were, it's faith was installed on the inside of you. It's your belief or unbelief that's working with your faith that's causing the issues. So the question is, is do you have more unbelief or do you have more belief? Because faith resides inside of you. Now hold on to that. Let's go back to Matthew's account of this story once again. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Do you know that any time that you bring a message about what Christ has already done, that it's a a finished work, that it's a completed work, that he's already blessed us, that by his stripes we were or we are healed, that it's a done deal, that we are victorious in every arena of your life. Anytime you bring a message like that, I can guarantee you someone is going to fail to appropriate this in their life. And when they do, questions will always come up. Why isn't everybody blessed? Why isn't everybody healed? Why isn't everybody victorious in every area of their life? And what it does is it stops most people from believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It stops them from believing what his word actually says. And their theology, their understanding of God begins to evolve and begins to change where their life experiences create their belief system rather than God's word. And that's where your thinking, if that's where your thinking is today, let me say this. Have you ever considered that maybe you're dealing with some unbelief here? Maybe there's some unbelief in your life or in someone else's life. Maybe there are some spiritual laws that aren't being applied to the situation that we're actually dealing with. Is it just possible? Now, many of you know of Oral Roberts, and some of you only know him because of the university that's in Tulsa. But in the last century, he was a healing evangelist in the 1950s and the 1960s. And he was once asked this question, why isn't everybody healed? And he said this, that that was the most challenging question that he ever dealt with. It was the most challenging one because he would have people come to his crusades and he would see people get healed, but he would also have people come to his crusades and they would leave exactly the same way. They weren't healed. He almost quit praying for people. He he almost said, if if this is going to happen all the time, I'm just going to quit praying for people. But God began to speak to his heart and said, Oral, you got to keep praying for people because if you do, there are some that are going to be healed. And if you don't pray for them, you'll never see anybody healed. So I would say that with us in our living our life of faith. How about if we just step out on a perhaps moment and believe and pray for somebody? What's the worst that could happen? They don't get healed? Well, let's just keep praying, keep believing. What's the best that could happen? They could get healed. A miracle could take place. In fact, I heard Andrew Womack, he's one of my favorite teachers, say that Oral Roberts would not pray for pastors who pastored local churches to see more healings take place in their congregation. And he went on to explain the reason was because that when you start preaching that it's God's will to heal, that isn't, sometimes it, the healing isn't going to manifest. It's not going to take place. And when you're a traveling teacher, you can come in and say, hey, it's God's will to heal, and then you can leave. But when you're a local pastor, you're stuck there. 
You have to deal with what happens when people don't get, and what happens when people don't get healed is rather than standing on what God's word says, pastors begin to change their theology. We do, and it's a challenge for me. I have to tell you honestly, I've had people that I love pass away, but I've chosen to believe the word of God because people will begin to change their theology and begin to say, maybe it isn't God's will to heal everybody. Or maybe God's actually trying to teach you a lesson by allowing that sickness to come into your body. And rather than saying steadfast in their faith, they will compromise God's word because of it. Most people are moved by their circumstances more than they are by the word of God. Most people will believe what they feel and see more than they'll believe the word of God. Most people won't let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. They won't. If it's what they believe in the Bible, they're going with what they believe all the time. So the disciples said, why can't we cast it out? And Jesus said this, because of your unbelief. Now, some of your translations say because of your meager faith or because of your small faith, but I don't think that that's the most accurate translation. I think it's a better translation to say of your, because of your unbelief, because of what Jesus is about ready to say next. He said, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So the context is that if your faith is the size of a mustard seed, it's talking just a tiny, tiny, meager, small faith, if nothing will be impossible for you. So what Jesus was saying, it wasn't a faith problem. You already have faith. It's your unbelief that is actually the problem. You've got faith because God is deposited on the inside of you, but it's your unbelief in the faith that God has given you. Again, most people would think, what's the deal? I have, if I have unbelief, then I must not have faith. But remember, it was Jesus who said to Jairus, only believe. Don't have disbelief. Don't have unbelief. Only believe. And again, he didn't rebuke the father when the father said to him, I believe, but help my unbelief. And it's because you can't have faith that you were given at salvation and still struggle with operating in unbelief. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you have faith. You, you have exercised your faith and you have used your faith and you have seen some miracles take place in your life. You've seen God do some extraordinary things in your life and healings and blessings, provision, restoration, things that you just go, oh my goodness. Some of you have actually had it and you didn't even know it was God. You actually thought I got lucky. I got lucky and got this job. No, that was God's provision for you. Yeah, I finally got past my sickness. No, that was God healing you. So again, you have faith, every one of you that are children of God because it was given to you at salvation. The question is, which is stronger in you, your unbelief or your belief? What have you been meditating on? God's word, the promises? Are you, is it like that communion, like I was saying, take every day that you're meditating on the word of God, you're just feeding on it all the time, or are you meditating on the circumstances and the situation and all of the negative reports that you're hearing? This is what the doctor said. Well, I'll just choose to believe the doctor instead of what the word of God says. This is what the, the economists are saying. Okay, I guess I'll just choose to believe that I'm going to have to be broke because that's what they're saying instead of what the word of God says. What is inside of you more, your belief or your unbelief? What are you meditating on? I want to I close today, but I'm going to pick up on this issue of unbelief next week, and I want to encourage you to be here. But I, but I want to share a story with you about a guy by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. 
And some of you, if you're a Bible student, you kind of know this guy. But he was a revivalist preacher from nearly a century ago that saw all kinds of healings and miracles take place in his service. It was extraordinary. And at his meetings, he would typically say that the first person to get up on the stage when he started the meeting, that person was going to be healed of whatever was bothering them. So there were these two ladies who knew that he did that. And so they had brought their friend, an elderly lady who had a tumor right here in her abdomen. It was about the size of a basketball. She looked like she was about nine months pregnant. And so when the service began and he made that comment, they quickly grabbed her and put her on the stage. And she was the first one up there. She was literally so weak that she could not stand up there by herself. So Smith looked at her and the ladies holding her and said, let her go. And the ladies said, we can't let her go because if we do, she can't stand on her own. And he yelled at them, I said, let her go. So they let her go and she fell flat down on her face, fell right on top of that tumor. When that happened, everybody moaned. I don't know about you, but I think if I'd been Smith Wigglesworth, I'd have walked over there and go, man, I'm so sorry that I did that. You know, you go ahead and stand back up, go in peace. And Right? Not Smith Wigglesworth. You know what he did? He said, stand her up. So they stood her up again. He said, let her go. And they said, we're not going to let her go. He said, I said, let her go. So they let her go. She fell flat down on her face right on top of that tumor one more time. I don't know about you. I might be able to get past it once. I don't know if I could do it the second time. Smith Wigglesworth said, stand her up. Said, let her go. The woman said, we are not going to let her go. He goes, I said, let her go. And the lady said, we're, we're not going to. When suddenly a man from the crowd yelled, be, you beast, quit picking on that lady. Quit being so mean to her. Smith Wigglesworth yelled out, you mind your own business. I know my business. Turned to the ladies and said, let her go. They let her go and that tumor dropped right out of her. She walked out healed out of the revival. And I share that because you know what? Smith Wigglesworth did not have any more faith than any one of us in this room. He just had less unbelief. He just had less unbelief because here's the choice that we're all gonna be faced with. Are we going to believe and trust in the promises of God? Or are we gonna operate in unbelief and trust in and believe in the situations and the circumstances of our lives, the things that are heading in a wrong direction? And I'm afraid today that too many followers of Jesus Christ won't stand on God's promises. They won't stand on, and a lot of times it's because of what I was saying earlier about me, even with that situation with Smith Wigglesworth. We're more concerned about what others think than we are about what God thinks. We don't want to look like we've got issues or we've got problems in the church. But Jesus said this in John chapter 5, verse 44. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Listen, if you're going to be concerned about what other people think about you more than you are about what God thinks about you, you will not be able to operate in all the faith that God has for you takes a confidence. It takes a boldness. And listen, you may not ever lead a service where incredible miracles are taking place. You won't, may not ever be a revivalist preacher. But at some point in your life, you're probably going to need a miracle in your life. For someone to be healed. For a relationship to be restored. For wisdom on an important business decision. Or maybe a career change. Or who you might spend the rest of your life with. You might need some freedom from depression and anxiety and fear. You might be able to move past being lonely. Or you just might need God to restore to you the joy of your salvation. Listen, and I'm not saying that it has to be weird. 
all right? I, I know that sometimes things, when God does things, they do get unusual, but I'm not saying it has to be weird, nor am I saying that we can claim promises that are not in the Word of God. We can't just go around making stuff up. But here's what I am saying today, that we should spend more time reading, studying, and meditating on the Word of God so that we can develop strong belief in our life and spend less time listening to the news, spend less time on social media, spend less time listening to other negative media-based people or, or negative people that are around us so that we learn how to starve unbelief. So if our belief is down here and our unbelief is up here, that we begin to change, we begin to pull the plug on some unbelief and begin to build up our belief. Because you know what? I think that God has an adventurous life of faith for every one of us. That he wants to do some extraordinary things in our life that we just sit back sometimes and go, wow, how did I get that promotion? Wow, God, how did you bring that person into my life to be my friend? God, God, how did that happen to me? Just because be simply you just chose to believe in the promises of God. So I say for all of us today, let's live that life of faith. Let's not be content with the status quo. And just so you know, if you start moving out in this, there'll be some good people that love Jesus. They're not going to want to go with you. And you're going to have to make a choice saying, you know what? I'm going all in with God. I'm believing for some extraordinary things to happen in my life, my family's life, and everybody that I come in contact with. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. And here's what I want to pray over all of us. And this is what I would love for you to really have as your prayer. Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Would you just kind of just sit there silently to yourself and just begin to say that? Say, God, I believe. I know that you're good. God, I know that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or all that I can think. Lord, I, I got to admit, I struggle with some unbelief, and I think it's every one of us here that struggle with unbelief from time to time. So I'm praying over us right now that God will help us with our unbelief, that maybe we'll stop listening to the news. We'll, we'll get around that, stop getting around that person that's so negative all the time. We'll, we'll get off Facebook and Instagram and we'll get more into the Word of God. Let the Word of God get into us and begin to stand on the promises that we find in the Word of God. So Lord, I, I pray for every person that's here and those that are watching right now online, God, that we would be a people that believe in you. God, we believe in your goodness. God, we recognize that we're not gonna live by what we see and what we feel because it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Lord, we're gonna live our lives spirit-led, God, recognizing, Lord, that what we see in the natural, Lord, is not always what reality is. It's just facts and things that are happening right now. We know what the truth is. It's found in your word, and we choose to believe what your word says. So God, let, let, our, let our tongues, let the things that we say, let those things change. God, help us to take captive every thought in our mind and make it obedient to Christ. And God, let us declare your promises, God, over everything that we're walking through, God, because when we shout, God, walls found, fall down. God, when we begin to speak, miracles happen in our lives. And so God, I thank you, Lord, today. Thank you. Thank you, God, today that you have qualified us because of what Jesus Christ has done. I pray blessings and favor to be upon your children today. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you're here or watching online, if you're saying, Pastor Richie, I've never given my life to Christ, or I've, 
I'm not where I need to be with God today. And I'd like to make a decision to give my life or rededicate my life to God. I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer. Christians are quietly praying for you right now because they recognize this is one of the most important things that you'll ever do. It's the beginning of living the life of faith. So as our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I'm going to count to three. When I say three, if you would, just slip your hand up, hold it up high. I'm going to wait for just a few moments, and then I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer right there at your seat. One, two, three, right where you're at. Slip it up, hold it up high. Yes, God bless you, young lady. Anybody else? Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Right back over here. God's dealing with your heart. I'm going to wait just a few more seconds. Yes, God bless you right over here. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you're watching online, just pray out loud with me. I'm going to invite everybody just to pray out loud this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in your grace. I believe in your goodness. I believe that you have a path of life for me that is incredibly amazing. So I choose today to receive you as my Savior, to receive you as my Lord, meaning I want to get on the path of life that you have for me. So thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for your word that's alive in me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all today. Amen. What a great word from Pastor Richie today. Come on, give him a round of applause today. Wow, what an, an amazing word of how we can start stepping into our faith. Well, hey, we want to say real quick, if you made that decision for Christ now, I want to say welcome to the family. We're glad you made that decision, and we're glad you're part of this family today. So, hey, real quick, all we want to we want to let you know this information real quick. If, if you did make that decision, we have a next step booklet that we want you to grab on your way out today. So if you're here in the building, you can just go by the info bar, grab that. We'd love to get to the, at your hands. It's our free gift to you. And also, if you made that decision online today, we want to, you, all you have to do is hit the link in the description and we will send you one as well. Well, hey, on your seat is a communication card. If you go ahead and fill that, with a, fill that out with as much information as you feel comfortable with, we want to say we pray for these cards every single uh, Wednesday morning. And also, if you have any prayer requests or praise reports, we want to be agreeing with you in prayer and, and stepping into that faith that Pastor Richie was talking about to see amazing things happen in people's lives. Well, then also, just real quick, thank you so much for your tithes and your offering. I'm just going to pray over our offering real quick, and then you can drop it into the bucket that's right in front of you today. So if you would, just join with me in prayer today. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we get the opportunity to give today, Father. 